0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heroes, Villains, and Redemption. My name is Jonathan Chan, and I'm so glad that you can join us today. Each week, we've been exploring one comic book character per week, and this week, we will be exploring The Flash. But before we begin, let's just start off with a video clip from an animated movie, The Flashpoint Paradox. So enjoy. Not so fast, Barry Allen. Forget about them. You can't change other people. It's just a waste of energy. But, Barry, when I was a little girl, Grandma taught me a prayer. Accept the things you cannot change, have the courage to change the things you can, and have the wisdom to know the difference. I don't totally get that. You will. Now all we need is a phone. There's a gas station. Raisa, Mary. We never know exactly what happened. A break-in gone wrong, a disturbed mind. But we do know that this was a crime and a tragedy. And as we commit Nora to the care of our Lord, we know her son Barry will need <laughs> all our prayers and help. Happy birthday, Mom. I'm so sorry. I should have been there. What? If I just ran a little faster, I'd have been there. Barry, you were just a boy. There was nothing you could have done. We don't know that. If I'd been there, maybe I could have stopped it. I could have saved her. Come on, stop doing this to yourself. What was that saying your mother had? About accepting the things you can't change? Well, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the clip. Who is the Flash, then? The Flash has mastery over not just speed, but time itself. And he has often used his powers to travel through different eras and even into other dimensions. Although The Flash has not always been fast enough to outrun personal tragedy when it has come for him, he always does his best, though, to prevent the same from happening to the people of Central City and Keystone City. That's right. He's probably the only comic book character that takes care of two cities. And this is where we will begin our discussion today. I show you a clip from an animated movie called The Flashpoint Paradox. The storyline goes like this. While Barry Allen was a child, his mom was murdered on her birthday. And he believed that if he was able to get home on time during that time, he could have saved his mom. Since he now had the power to go back in time, he made the choice to do just that. However, once he saved his mom, everything has changed, both locally and globally, including the disappearance of the entire Justice League. Instead, when he traveled back to the present after saving his mom, i.e. back to the future, that one small event, for some reason, caused the Atlanteans and Aquaman to battle with Wonder Woman and the Amazons leading to the end of the world and humanity along with it. Wait, what? The end of the world? Yeah, go watch the movie. But here's the point I want to flesh out today. In the video clip I showed you, Barry's mom quoted a very famous prayer called the Serenity Prayer, written by the American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. And here's the full prayer that I would like to show you on the next slide. It goes like this. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may reasonably live so I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happily with you forever in the next. Amen. By Reinhold Lieber. How do we know then when to accept the things that cannot be changed and have the courage to change the things which should be? For Flash, traveling back in time to save his mom seemed to be something that was good to change, right? But then... It had bigger consequences than he could ever imagine. How about us? I'm sure many of us wished we could have a do-over or some of you golfers out there, a mulligan. I'm sure many of us are experiencing pain, such as physical pain, mental pain, grief, loneliness, betrayal, and wish we had the power to change everything that happened in the past. If given the opportunity and we were able to stop COVID-19 from happening, Should we, or should we accept it? How about current situations in our personal lives? When should we accept, and and when should we act? I believe that the serenity prayer has the gospel in mind, and therefore in the next few moments, let's unpack the serenity prayer, glean some wisdom from it, look at some scriptural references that quite possibly the prayer alluded to, and conclude on where we should go in our context, especially during COVID-19. So let's begin. The first sentence of this prayer is this. God, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. The first that comes out for me when I read this first phrase of this prayer is in Romans 8.28. It goes like this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. First, acceptance is not laziness. Many times, some of us, actually maybe most of us, we feel that this phrase, accept with serenity, the things that cannot be changed, sounds like a lazy cop-out, but it's not. What it truly means is that we do not burden ourselves with regret, i.e. the three words of regret, could've, should've, and would've. If only I did this instead of that, chose him instead of him, Studied harder, like studied business as opposed to calligraphy, worked harder, did this instead of this. We bury ourselves in regret that we don't allow ourselves to see what God is revealing in front of us. Living a life of regret prevents us from living a life to the fullest. Allowing God to give us the grace to accept what's already been done in the past is not laziness but humbly entrusting our past into God's capable hands to use it for his purpose for our good. We learn from the past and we live for the present and the future. One thing for certain is that God wastes nothing. All the good, all the bad, and all the ugly things that have happened in our lives, he will use it for his purpose and for our good. Next phrase. Courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. So how do we know what needs to be changed? What situations should we change? First and foremost, I believe, is us. We may not have the ability to change the circumstances around us, but we can definitely change ourselves, our perspectives, and the way we respond. So what are we to change about ourselves? Paul says this in Romans 6 and 12. I have it here on the screen. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. In Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are called to not only accept our past and entrust our past to God, but also to move forward in trust and obedience. Trust that God will use our past experiences and obey him by avoiding situations that will allow sin to grab a foothold of our hearts and minds. We are called to offer every part of ourselves to God and be used as an instrument of righteousness. Why? because that's the appropriate response to the grace God has given us. We intentionally change our minds, intentionally change our habits, intentionally change our life patterns so that we can continually allow the Holy Spirit transform us and renew our minds. And here's the interesting part. Taking the initiative, i.e. the prayer, the wisdom to distinguish the two, taking the initiative and the intention to change our life patterns and habits go hand in hand with discerning God's will. That is why the prayer said the wisdom to distinguish the two. It is to make sure that we align our hearts and our minds with God so that we are able to discern what situations we are to change. If we do not intentionally avoid sin, change the way we live, allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, we cannot possibly discern what God's will is or see what God has revealed that lies ahead of us. We can't live fully if we don't change ourselves. Last comment about change. Many of us uh, who are Christian, or or if you are a listener and you are a Christian as well, many of us often say that the first priority when it comes to tackling sin is to repent. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. Paul said it. We often say the word repent. But what is it? The Greek word used in the New Testament is called metanoia. And metanoia means meta, change, noia, change the mind, body, and our all. A turning away from sin to allow a metamorphosis towards Christ's likeness See, for Barry Allen, The Flash, and us, the gospel tells us not only to entrust God with our past, but we also live forward in repentance and respond to the grace that God has shown us. Then we can discern and most importantly, see what's ahead of us personally i have a tendency to try to find ways to change things if i know that there's a glimmer of hope to change the situation or to change the circumstances i would i'm a very task oriented type of person however throughout my past and looking back in looking back i realized that if i do not put my priority to change myself first many times my actions are usually the incorrect ones. And I realize that it could have been better. That, cha- that my actions, the th- things I want to change and when I do make changes, they're not for the better and they're not really that well thought out or well planned out. It is only when I change myself, repent of my sins, and align myself with God, then I get a different perspective, a broader perspective, so that I realize that, hey, there could be situations where it actually... I should not change and allow God to do his work or to change, but then it be in God's way and not in my own way. Next phrase, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. The passage that comes out for me when I read this phrase is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into fire, will he not more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Question. When do we usually feel regret, rearing its ugly head? Usually, it is when we compare ourselves with other people. I have experienced regret quite a few times, and every time regret happens, it is usually when someone I know has something I really wanted, but I don't have. How about you? Have you allowed regret to settle in? When does it usually happen? When regret comes, I start muttering things to myself, saying those three words of regret again. Could've, would've, and should've. And what happens when I allow regret to settle into my mind and take deep root into my soul? I start questioning my worth, relevance, significance, even existence. Questions such as, why am I here? Where am I going? Does anyone care or love me anymore? What's the meaning of life? Why am I not happy? Then my relationships with my family and friends start to become distant. I become less motivated to change myself. I start seeing everyone and the world around me as if they owe me something, whether it be love, affection, or my entitlement for existing. We become so self-absorbed that we lose sight of what's really beautiful and wonderful in front of us. See, I see life with God like dancing because Paul told us to keep in step with the Spirit. Why? When I experienced my first few dance classes way back when I was in high school, I was way too focused on myself, worried about how others saw me. And I was way too focused on my feet, so I constantly looked down. Because I was so worried and self-absorbed, I kept stumbling and losing step. I looked like a complete fool, which ironically, that is the reason why I was so self-absorbed. It was to prevent myself from looking like a fool. My instructor, she kept telling me to look at her eyes and let her lead, keep in step with her. When I did and trusted her, I realized I was moving way better than before. I still look like a fool, but less. And that's life with God, isn't it? Whenever we become self-absorbed, we stumble, fall, cannot seem to move forward in life, and can't seem to get out of our ruts of anger, regret, and disappointment. People who would then say we are pessimistic, party-poopers, life-draining, depressing to be around with. We need to change that. And hence, Jesus reminds us with this passage. First, he reminds us that we are worth dying for. Jesus died for us because he saw us worth it. Regret tells us that we are not worth it. And to attack regret is to remind ourselves that Jesus died for us. The heart of the gospel, Jesus saw us worth dying for. Next phrase accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right. The biblical passage that comes to my mind when I was reading this uh, phrase is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 1-5. to five. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Another reason why we are tempted to change things is current hardships that we are experiencing Due to the choices or circumstances that happened in the past. The Serenity Prayer is commonly used by Alcoholics Anonymous. If you're not familiar with that, it's a 12-step rehabilitation program to help people break free from their alcohol addiction. They advise people to learn to accept the past, the consequences, the damage that their addiction has caused, and take action to change themselves. They may not be able to change the past nor be able to mend the relationships and damage they've caused. But they can definitely take steps to change themselves, break free from their addiction, find freedom in Jesus, and live a new life free from alcohol. And that's a promise, a hope of freedom. The 12-step program does not ignore the hardships, nor does it play down or water down the hardships and consequences and the damage that the person's actions caused. People in this program learned that their actions was sin. Their choices were sinful, and their consequences were the results of sin. But because of the gospel, they are set free. How so? Not that Jesus sinned, but he took on the consequences of sin, our sin, so that he suffers with us, relates with us, journeys with us, and takes us through the pain the hardship, and all the damage that sin causes, which ultimately is death. Then he conquers the consequences through his resurrection, which we can conquer through our resurrection in him to have the freedom from the ultimate consequence of sin, which is death, providing us hope that in light of hardships that we experience will conclude with resurrection. Amen. Next phrase. If I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Now, a passage that really uh, stuck out for me when I read this phrase is found in Isaiah chapter 55, verse eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thornbush, it will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Now, just a little bit of context of where this passage found itself. Israel was suffering from constant rulers, whether it be the Babylonians, the Persians, the Hittites, the Philistines, you name a tit and an Ian, they probably got ruled by them. They were enslaved. They were persecuted life was completely uncertain and hardships were plentiful regrets oh yeah they were probably saying to themselves man we should have stayed in egypt or man we should have obeyed god more or man we should have turned left instead of right on red sea avenue or man why on earth did we eat that stupid apple why is this happening god says not for you to know but look around you look at nature the world The rain and snow comes and goes. I control everything. If I can do all this, how much more I can do for you? God is saying to us and to the Israelites, so trust me, you may not know what's going on, especially during COVID-19, but it's not for you to know. Why? Because it's too vast for us to know. So be thankful, i.e., reasonably happy, content in our circumstances. God's thoughts and ways are beyond us. But he's not just some God who does not care and only care about his own selfish ambitions like many gods back in the past. No, this God became human. He became Jesus and died for us because he loved us so much. So shouldn't we trust him with the big things that his ways and thoughts are for our good? Ultimately, he desires us to be with him. All that is happening, whether it be bad or good, points to that destination. That's how the gospel redeems the flesh and us who may have regrets or burdened by regrets and feel hopeless in moving forward. So let's say this prayer one more time to close. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right. If I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me in another episode of Heroes, Villains, and Redemption as we went through The Flash If you have any questions or any comments, please send me a quick email through our website. Uh, For the audio podcast, it is available on our website at www.cruciblechurch.com. And if you want to continue to support us, you can go to the website and just click donate for a tax receivable uh, donation. Till next time, have a blessed week.